Hey guys, welcome back. It's uh, it's been a minute, and I I want to be honest about why I stopped recording for a while. Um, when I first started this podcast, I decided that if I didn't have anything that I wanted to say or record, that I wouldn't. I didn't want to do episodes just for the sake of doing episodes. So last March, when I sat down to write what was going on in my mind, you know, just getting some thoughts out on paper, I had every intention of putting out an episode. And, uh, you know, the process takes time, get stuff out, think about, you know, what I want to say and how quickly I can say it. And then on March 31st, Nipsey Hussle was murdered. Now, I've, I've talked about my disdain for the performative show of mourning that tends to occur on social media these days, uh, especially when someone famous dies. And, you know, I'll say it again. I'm not trying to police anyone's actions, but I, I do have a personal distaste for the contradictory behavior that I think goes on online where we like and love and comment on, on people's, you know, essentially death photos and show that we're also mourning with the rest of the world, with the rest of the general public. I think that, yes, there are times where it's a very genuine and cathartic and real act, but there are a lot of times where, you know, at the least to me anyway, it feels uncomfortable. And at the most, it feels superficial or fake. Now I'm not numb to the passing and loss of human life. I also, honestly, I'm not a deep mourner when a famous person dies. From an early age, I learned that death is a part of life. And during those moments, I often think of my mother instructing me to celebrate the life of a person and not mourn their death. But truthfully and honestly, Nipsey Hussle's murder fucked me up for a minute, more than I thought that it would. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I was his biggest fan because I wasn't. You know, I was introduced to his music like a lot of people uh, when he released the Marathon mixtape around 2010. And over the years, I would go in and out of listening to his music with the general interest. But I wasn't a super fan. You know, as I got older and I took a greater interest in entrepreneurship and I would see his interviews, I really grew to appreciate what he had to say when he was talking about his community, where he was from, what he was trying to do. And in general, I tend to root for people that are actually willing to do the work. So I really grew to appreciate his message and his hustle. He just struck me as a dude that knew who he was, knew he was growing and evolving, and knew that while you're working on yourself and towards your own success, you can still make time to help other people. Nipsey's death hit me because it was a visceral, cold-hearted, and cruel reminder that for black and brown bodies, the cost of standing for something so easily and so often is your life. Now, while his death affected me, It was the bizarre behavior that has become commonplace on social media that again bothered me. The seemingly endless barrage of I too mourn and I am also sad posts with people offering announcements of superficial and in most cases temporary intentions on how they were going to change and save the world in his honor. And in a lot of ways, it felt very contrary to what people like Nipsey stood for. It seemed as though a lot of people used the death of this celebrity, an active community member, to say, hey, look at me. We learned days after that Nipsey had scheduled time to meet with the LAPD to discuss how he could help with the community relations in the area. And it served as another example that what this individual said he cared about, he actually put energy towards. It reminded me that what you do when no one is looking is so often who you really are. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking at this point. 
I'm being judgmental. I don't know what these people will and won't do. It's not my business. And I'm maybe being a hater. But I ask that you consider this. How often are the people that you see that are the most active and vocal on social media the most active and vocal in real life? Is the person that posts the stats about homelessness in their area also the same person that is volunteering at their local homeless shelter? I understand there is no exact answer, but I also recognize that it's often easy to confuse attention with activism. How do we match the virtues so many of us share online with the causes that require our energy and our presence and effort in the real world? I've wondered in recent years, what did public mourning look like prior to the Internet? If MLK was a public figure today and assassinated, would we celebrate his life and accomplishments appropriately? Or do we just use social media to virtue signal our belief in his message, even if we hadn't contributed to his cause? It sounds good when we speak about supporting each other. It feels good to proclaim and yell black excellence when we're encircled by a similarly successful group of peers at social gatherings. And it feels good to even repeat Nipsey Hussle's ethos. The marathon continues. But aside from the social media showcase, are you, am I, are we, or most of the people that we know consistent in living out those beliefs in how we interact with the world? Are we supporting those efforts and attempts in our local community with our neighbors or with the kid on the other side of the world that's trying to use the Internet to make a better life for themselves? Are we speaking up when people misuse and abuse their power? Are we building groups and organizations that galvanize our resources in the direction of what matters to us? So often, so many of us fail to share praise, support, speak up or love each other without the raised profile of celebrity or group acceptance that urges us to do so. We praise the Nipsey hustles of the world after the fact because it's cool, but also deep down, we know he and people like him are willing to live out their beliefs and seemingly maintain a certain code that some willingly choose to avoid. We stand in applause because we know to stand for something is not easy. Speaking truth to power, disrupting what has always been, convincing people to believe in your vision, and sometimes moving towards conflict rather than away from it has never been for the faint of heart nor a promising venture for some. It's always taken more, an extra drop of soul, an extra pound of flesh. But it is those pieces of us that make all the difference in determining whether we will be people of principle or just people that talk about principle. We're all required at some point in our lives to answer the question, what do I stand for? Do I stand for right or wrong, truth or lies, action or apathy? And whether you yell it from the top of a mountain or whisper it in a cave, only you really know the truth of your answer. And usually that truth comes as a traveling companion to choice because it's the choices we make that really show us who we are. One of my all time favorite historical figures, I mentioned it before, is a guy by the name of Paul Robeson. To give you a little background on Paul, he was born the son of a former slave in 1888. He became an All-American football player and member and recipient of a Phi Beta Kappa Key at Rutgers University. He received a law degree at Columbia University, went on to become an internationally acclaimed concert performer, actor, and political activist. Basically, he was a Renaissance man before we even knew really what that was. It was the latter part of his political activities that brought on scrutiny from the American government. And in 1956, Paul Robeson was brought before the House Committee on Un-American Activities to answer questions for the American government. This committee was created to investigate alleged disloyalty on the part of citizens suspected of having communist ties. And because they had concerns about his affiliations, they thought it was necessary to question him about his activities and allegiances. At one point during the hearing, 
a senator asked why he hadn't remained in the Soviet Union if he loved it so much. Robeson replied, because my father was a slave and my people died to build this country and I'm going to stay here and have a part of it just like you and no fascist minded people will drive me from it. Is that clear? For greater context, when Paul Robeson said these words to a committee of white men in the United States Congress in 1956, eight full years before the Civil Rights Act, he had already been blacklisted professionally. He'd been banned from traveling to earn a living. He'd been removed from record books for his accomplishments, and he was being monitored by the U.S. government. He stood his ground knowing that there'd likely be greater backlash. He made a choice to speak his truth and to stand by what he believed. That shit is hard especially in the face of real consequences. Standing for something real, something good and righteous will never be about convenience. It most certainly will not make things easier or cool in many situations, and it is very likely to place you beyond the echoing applause of admiring fans at times. That's why it's important. Whether you're born the son of a former slave, or raised in the streets and evolved to be a successful businessman, or you arrived on third base and everything you ever needed was given to you, standing for something greater than yourself will still never be easy, but regardless of the trials and tribulations, the slings and the arrows, the highs and the lows, I think knowing where you stand and what you stand for is what it means to truly live. It's not about being perfect. It's about trying to navigate the murky waters of life with some sense of honor and goodness. Because after all, we know it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Hey guys, thank you for listening to this episode. It's been a minute, but I'm back. I'm going to try and put out an episode every week, but bear with me. Life gets in the way, but thank you guys so much for all the messages, the kind words, the emails, and just the nudges and and ask me where this has been. A lot of people have expressed how they really appreciate, uh, you know, just what I have to say. And, And trust me, it means the world to me that you guys take the time to even do that. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have an amazing and joy-filled 2020. I'll see you around.